Good morning and Merry Christmas. We are still celebrating Christmas in the life of the church. Uh, we are so grateful for you to be here. If you are new or visiting, we uh, encourage you to let us know that you're here. Uh, we encourage all of you to sign in um, to let us know that you're worshiping with us. My name is Taylor Pride Barefoot. I'm one of the pastors here and I am up here with my colleague and friend, Nathan Arledge. It's so good to be here on this um, Christmas Sunday still, and also looking ahead to the new year as we continue to grow together as a body of faith, reaching out into our community, and just watching how we will serve in this new year together as a church. I want to lift one um, special announcement up to you, so find in your bulletin where it says, The Bible in Gaza with Dr. James Howe. This is going to be an incredible conversation, and it's going to be this Wednesday, January 3rd at 11 a.m., and then again at 7 p.m., both in person. Um, so we encourage you to come and be here, invite somebody to join, and listening and learning as we continue to figure out who we are in this space and how our prayers um, come together for a hurting world. Now let's continue this time of worship.
continue to joyfully worship as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which can be found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. gospel. The gospel reading is Luke chapter 2, beginning with the 21st verse. When the eighth day came, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there is a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people's Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and, and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of God for the people of God. So as you may know, Christmas Eve was this past Sunday, which meant from 8.45 a.m. until midnight, a week ago, almost 5,000 people came into our building and worshiped with us. It's a really wonderful day of worship. Wonderful because there are so many folks who are worshiping with us, and we are always so grateful that any time that there are visitors or new people, but it undoubtedly feels different than a normal Sunday. Because Christmas Eve is always an odd mix. Some folks are really happy to be there. It's one of their favorite services of the year, and they have made sure to prioritize being there for this high holy day. But there are always a couple folks that are there out of obligation whether it's because they feel obligated to come on to church on days like Christmas or Easter, or the obligation is coming from a family member who wants them to be there. So when everyone is gathering as a service begins, you can see that folks have really different feelings about being there. There are the folks that have been dragged there, and they look bored. They're slouching in the pews, and they are waiting for this service to be over while others are buzzing with anticipation and hope, waiting for the service to begin. No matter why any of these folks come, the really special thing that happens is that on Christmas Eve, the service always manages to transform folks. By the time that Silent Night begins, everyone has lit their candle. Most of the folks in the room are singing, and everyone is willing to hold their candle in the air as the lights dim, and we all share in this really sacred and special moment of singing together. 
We all might come to worship for different reasons, but the result and experience of holiness remains the same for everyone. Today's scripture is a scene at the temple with people who are there for really different reasons themselves. The Holy Family has traveled into Jerusalem where baby Jesus is eight days old, and on the eighth day, it is customary for the Jewish people to present him at the temple for his circumcision and to offer a sacrifice. Mary and Joseph's devout faith brings them to the temple on that day. And we are then introduced to an old man named Simeon. The text says that Simeon was led by the Spirit to the temple that day. He had been promised that he would behold the Messiah in his lifetime. Simeon shows up that day because the Spirit had guided him. There are people worshiping with us today that are Christians because one day the Spirit inexplicably brought them into the church and their life was never the same again. Simeon feels this nudge from the Spirit and follows. Simeon immediately understands why the Spirit had called him, and he goes to Mary and Joseph. Simeon prophesies over Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. We are told that he literally grabs Jesus out of their hands and holds him. This is turned into quite the scene. I imagine that Mary and Joseph are probably exhausted. They are first-time parents. They are called by God into a political upheaval that depends on the life of the little baby boy in their arms. They have been all over the land in this first week. They have met with magi, shepherds, while all while being first-time parents to a newborn. And then an impassioned old man meets them in the temple and delivers them a message. They're only eight days into this parenting gig and they're already used to strange things happening. And so they welcome Simeon's message. They seem to think this is just the way things seem to be going for us. The Holy Family immediately recognizes that the Holy Spirit has brought them together and they receive Simeon's message as a gift to them all. Simeon tells Mary, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thought of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon confirms the reality of who Jesus is to the world, but also delivers what I imagine Mary fears the most, that a sword will pierce her own soul too. She will experience the unimaginable grief of losing a child. She will not only be the bearer of God, she will also watch him die. We are not told the inward thoughts of Mary at this point. We do not know the fear, dread, frustration, and despair that may have coursed through her veins as she contemplated the death of her little baby boy. She is immediately brought back into attention by the third character in this interaction, which is another elderly woman named Anna. 
we are told that Anna spends all day, every day in the temple, praying and fasting constantly. She comes up to the Holy Family and immediately recognizes the importance of the moment shared between Simeon and the family. We know people like Anna. Perhaps you are like this. People whose entire field of vision is honed in on God's movement, who are constantly contemplating and seeking God in all they do and think. Obviously, this does not mean you have to live at the church, but being the kind of person who wakes up and immediately gives thanks for the breath in their lungs or goes to bed giving thanks for all that is good that happened in that day. The kind of people who seek God's counsel as they make decisions throughout the day. The kind of person who sees a rainbow or a butterfly and knows that all that is beautiful comes from God. Anna spends every ounce of herself seeking God and waiting for a moment just like this. She knows immediately what she has seen. And she too starts praising and giving thanks that the Savior is in her presence and knowing that he will bring redemption to Jerusalem. Mary and Joseph will never be the same, having heard the prophecy of exactly who their son is destined to be. They already had been told at Jesus' birth that they are the parents of the Messiah, but this is the first time in the Holy Temple, the religious Mecca of their faith, that Jesus' identity is confirmed. And not just by anyone, but by a woman who is in the temple each and every day. In Anna's 84 years of life, we can imagine that she has experienced many things and has witnessed important and spiritual moments in this temple. Yet she knows and recognizes the importance of this day, the Holy Family's trip to the temple. These three sets of strangers' lives have changed forever because of this holy moment. What holy moments have we too witnessed because we were in the right place at the right time and God moved? About a month ago, I had a really painful and frustrating interaction with a person. I remember when the interaction ended, I was thinking, how can people be so unkind and so willing to cause pain in another, to another person? The interaction had broken me down and made me doubt in the goodness of people. And I was feeling pretty low about it all, but I had a meeting I had to go to, so I didn't want to show the pain that was on my face. And so I was praying, and in that moment, I was walking into my meeting in a coffee shop, and there was a woman sitting outside the cafe, and when I walked by, I took notice of one of the tattoos she had on her arm. It was a shell that I immediately recognized as a symbol of having walked the Camino pilgrimage in France, or in Spain. I felt the Holy Spirit nudge for me to stop and ask her about her tattoo. Her face instantly lit up. She shared that 
She had gone on this trip almost a decade ago, but no one had ever asked her about her tattoo. She began to tell me about her pilgrimage, and she spoke of the goodness of God and how much she loves the church and how beautiful of an experience it had been to her. The peace and joy that she emulated as she shared her story quelled the pain that I was feeling from my previous encounter that day. I was so grateful that we had shared that moment. God guided me to that interaction of healing and peace after being hurt and mistreated by someone else. I could have so easily ignored the nudge, decided it was weird to talk to a stranger about her tattoo, but I am so glad that I did not. It is always worth following that nudge we get from the Holy Spirit. One of the spiritual practices I am so envious that others have is the boldness to follow God no matter what direction God may be calling them. I sh I'm sure you've been around people who always say yes whenever God asks them to do something, whether it's start a conversation with a stranger or just stop and pray. I love when people ask, can I pray with you? There's such boldness and vulnerability in asking someone if you can pray with them. But I have never, I have never once wished someone had not stopped and asked me if they can pray with me. There have been plenty of moments in my life where I have wondered, should I pray with this person? But I have not had the courage to offer. I wonder how many times I have missed a holy moment because of my fear of being weird or the moment feeling awkward. Simeon was there that day because the Spirit had guided him. Simeon had the courage to follow the Holy Spirit no matter how strange the, that encounter may have felt or looked. And Mary and Joseph accepted the Spirit's movement and Simeon's gift to them. The Spirit had drawn Simeon to the temple that day, but Mary and Joseph were there because of their own religious devoutness. They were there that day because it is the right and proper thing to do as Jewish people. They did not consider themselves exception to this religious practice, even though they are the literal holy parents to God. It is pretty hard to relate to the Holy Family, but I bet many of us have shown up to church simply because it's the right thing to do as a Christian. And because of that, you have experienced a holy moment. Maybe that's why you came on any Sunday, or maybe you showed up because there was a baptism, or it was Easter, or Mother's Day, or your grandpa's birthday. Maybe that's why you're here today. Because on any given Sunday, you do not know the powerful spiritual experience you may have. But something in the sermon, the anthem, the prayer, or the organ notes might break your heart open in a way that changes you forever. I shared with Dr. Hugh Floyd a couple weeks ago that I had had a worship experience like that during our lessons and carols service. I was in the chancel with the responsibility to lead worship like normal. 
And my heart was broken open when the congregation sang the first Noel with the choir. I couldn't make it through the hymn at 8.30 without tears, and then again at 9.45. By the 11, I thought, surely I won't cry this time. I've already sang this song twice. But once again, I was biting my lip, trying not to blubber so that I can continue to lead worship with you all. Sometimes just being in holy places, just showing up, the Spirit meets us in unexpected ways. Now, Anna, our third character in this story, she didn't show up because Anna was already there. She was in a constant state of seeking and searching for the movement of the Spirit and God's truth to be proclaimed. One of our church's saints who has gone to join the church triumphant was one of those people for me. He worshiped every single Sunday. He always arrived early and he worshiped by himself. He was always filled with so much joy to be in the sanctuary. He exuded gratitude. And then one Tuesday, we, were, we received the news that he had suddenly passed away. As a clergy team, we were shocked. We had all spoken to him just 48 hours ago. He was happy, healthy, and full of gratitude that Sunday. I was so devastated that his death had come so suddenly. I remembered thinking, I wish we could have known so that we could have had a chance to say goodbye or known that it was the last Sunday we would see him. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized how special it was that he was so faithful that he died at the peak of his spiritual health. He didn't have to find out that he was dying to worship God more zealously. He was the kind of worship, a person who worshiped God with zeal every single day. So the day he died, he was already at peace. He was already seeking God. I can only hope that my faith grows to be more like his. This is the time of year that we think about all the ways that we can grow and change. The ways we currently aren't good enough so that we can make a plan to be better in 2024. But I want us to take a break from that way of thinking and hear this truth. No matter what you change, what you do, or how you grow, one thing is for certain, God's spirit is going to be moving in our worlds and in our lives. And the good news is God's goodness shows up for every single person in today's scripture. God shows up for the tired, ragged young family who are there because it's the right thing to do. God seeks out and calls an old man to a space and a moment he never expected to be in. And God meets the faithful presence of an old widow with the gift of witnessing the presence of her Savior after years of prayer and fasting. New Year's will convince you that you have to change your habits, that you're not enough, that something must change for you to optimize your life. I'm not going to tell you that you're only going to meet God if you show up every Sunday here, but we would love to see you. 
I'm not going to tell you that you have to be perfect Christians who follow all of the religious rites. And you don't even have to have powerful religious experiences and feel the Spirit moving in your life in order to experience God. No matter what your journey of worshiping God looks like, God is going to meet you in 2024. God's love is available to you. God's grace will transform you. However you show up in this new year is enough. Thanks be to God for that. Let us go to God in prayer. God of joy and hope, our hearts remain full of splendor and awe in this Christmas season. We sing praises as we cherish the gift of Jesus the Christ with us 
Emmanuel. Our hearts have been moved and our spirits have been lifted through the light that illumines beyond the darkness in our world. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray that we are strengthened by this season of Christmas. And as we move forward into Epiphany, that we maintain this sense of awe and inspiration to not revert back to our fragility. We pray to be strengthened and lifted by the message and presence of your Spirit in our lives so that we may stand strong when there are times of adversity and troubles and when the darkness feels to creep in more and more around us. So we pray that you give us eyes to see you continuing to birth in our own lives and within our community, your Son, so that we can point ourselves and others towards you. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, we know many in our community are searching, longing, and aching to feel, see, and experience your love. Forgive us when we are not the ones whom they find Christ. And we pray that we will make room in our lives for the hurting, that we may offer compassion, that we may make room in our hearts to offer tenderness to those who are ailing with sickness, anxiety, grief, and despair. God, we pray that you will make room in us to have your heart and not our own, so that all whom we encounter find you in us. Lord, in your mercy. God, we rejoice. We rejoice for the opportunities that we do have before us to show up just as we are, knowing that we are enough, to be guided by your Spirit, to be guided by your ways, that we might have the eyes to see Christ in our world, in our neighbor, and that also we might point to Christ and to offer Christ in every opportunity that we can, not for our sake, but for the sake of your kingdom. We offer this in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And as we continue this time of worship by giving back to God our tithes and our offerings, we just want to say thank you for a beautiful year of 2023, knowing that we were able to do so much in our community here locally, nationally, and globally. And that continues by your faithful giving. So give now joyfully.
generous God, we rejoice at the opportunity to give back to your work, to your kingdom advancement, to your church. So thank you for the opportunity this day to offer these unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Church, as we look ahead to 2024, may we look ahead to a God who is love, who is hope, who is joy, who is peace. Go into this year with the love and grace of God.